Good morning and welcome here. As the invitation this morning, let's sing, O Come to the Altar. Again, welcome here. So good to see all of your faces. Um, we have some updated reserved signs in the back on some of those rows. So just a reminder to leave those back few rows open for families with young kiddos. So if they need to hop into the nursery during the service or just come a little late, that there's nice space for them in the back. Um, and continuing with some announcements. Um, anyone who can help for a few minutes after the service to set up tables in the back for the Thanksgiving supper tonight, please stay and help set up some tables and chairs. Um, there's also snacks needed for Kids Connect, so feel free, I think, to talk to Amy Taves or Christine Murray um, if you are willing to bring some cookies or snacks for Kids Connect throughout the winter. 
And then if you take a look at your bulletins just at the back for some announcements. So tonight at 5.30 is the Thanksgiving supper. Bring potluck dessert and the rest of the food is provided. There will be a musical program after as well, so you can stay for that. Um, going down to the announcement section, October 26th, Moms and Tots is starting. Um, on the 29th, the Senior Celebration at Austin Evangelical Fellowship. Kids Connect is starting soon. Um, there's a YFC fundraising banquet and a couple things coming up later in November. Um, also, if you're interested in membership or child dedication, you can talk to Pastor Russell, and his office hours are 1 to 5, um, Tuesday to Friday. And we're still looking for a couple more children's church teachers for the younger group. Um, I will be going on a maternity leave after Christmas, so we'll need some people to fill in for that. And if you're interested in um, becoming the Christian Ed chairperson, you can talk to me as well. Are there any other announcements that anyone wants to highlight? Good morning, everybody. Uh, first announcement I have for you is on behalf of the missions committee. Um, Travis and Rosie are in getting close to summer camp season, and it costs money to send kids to camp. It's, there's not a lot of extra income for parents to send kids to camp. It's pretty unaffordable for most families there. So we're looking to raise funds. Uh, we're gonna do this as a children's church slash like the adult uh, discussion group that we have in the mornings here. Um, the money that is kind of collected through those will go towards summer camp. So it costs $93 to send one kid to camp. So we'll be working towards seeing how many kids we can help send to camp. Um, I have these posters I'm putting up in the Sunday school, children's church rooms. I could put one on the bulletin board as well by the, um, the mailboxes, so there's more information on there. And the second thing, I'll just highlight some more details about the YFC banquet. So that is, yeah, on November 10th. Um, it says 6.30 in the bolt, and that's when the meal will be served. Six o'clock is when the doors would open. And you do need to register for this, and you can do it online. If that is not your forte to do online things, you can always just talk to me or Henry, and we'll collect some information from you, and we can register you online so you don't have to do that. So mark that down in your calendars, and looking forward to good food, and seeing lots of you there, and sharing what YFC has been doing in the community. Thanks. Carrie also has an announcement. So this Thursday, we are starting our Mums and Tots group here at the church. So it's for any mums that have kids in that zero to five age range, bring your kids along. We'll have a little bit of a structured discussion time, kind of centraling around Christian parenting and how we can do that well. And then there will also be time of connection, and there's toys for the kids to play. Um, there will be snack provided, but I am not going to be making coffee. That is not something I drink, and so I'm not confident in making it. So <laughs> bring your own coffee if you'd like. And this is open to the community. If you know of people who might benefit from this or who might want that community, um, you can gladly invite them as well. Thanks. Great. If there's no other announcements, then Adrian will read the call to worship. Our call to worship this morning comes from Psalms 63. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and behold your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will, fully I will be fully satisfied as with the riches of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Let's pray. God, thank you for being here with us, and thank you for bringing us together. Um, thank you for this community and the ways that we can be reminded of who you are and who we are, um, and that we are children of God. And I just pray that your spirit would be here um, 
helping us to be awake and aware to what you're doing and the reality of who you are in your world. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand as we continue singing.
All right, and let's sing Who You Say I Am. It's a real declaration in the you know, physical and spiritual places about who, who God says that we are, and so we want to believe and live into that. seated. <laughs> right, please turn in your, oh sorry, first I'm going to pray for the offering and then we'll read the scripture. God, thank you for the um, offerings that will be collected today and this week. Thank you for um, the ways you provide for us and the ways that we can be generous and share with others. And I pray that the money that would be collected today um, whether it's for sending kids to camp in children's church or whether it's just general donations that the money would be used wisely and that it would um, benefit your kingdom. Amen. So please turn in your Bibles to Psalm 63 and we will read the last part of the psalm. So we'll start from verse 6 and read to the end. Verse 11. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. 
Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you, your right hand upholds me. Those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will glory in him, while the mouths of liars will be silenced. Good morning. All right. If you have your bulletins on you, you can see the items that we're praying for. A couple more that I want to add on to there. Uh, first one, you saw an item on the prayer chain go around earlier this week. That was for Tony and Astrid's grandchild, who had to be going into the NICU uh, because of issues breathing. I haven't had an update on that one. Does anybody know? Well, And Friday, it's moving in a good direction. So that is... A great direction. Great grandson. great grandson. Oh yes, yes, yes. Great. I'll put, all right. Uh, so we want to pray for uh, that. And uh, all right. So please bow with me now in a word of prayer. Dear God, we come before you this morning with many things on our hearts and many things on our minds as well. God, we come before you this morning, first off, with a word of praise. A word of praise for Tony and Astrid's great-grandchild. There was a lot of terror that was happening earlier in the week there. But we thank you so much that you are at work there with the hospital. We are at work there with the doctors and in work there in this little one's life that he can be breathing better now. And so, God, we pray, continue to bring healing, continue to... Strengthen the lungs. God, we pray for this, and we look forward to when Tony and Astrid will be able to see this little one face to face. God, we put that before you. And God, we also want to pray for other members of the church family that are in our hearts right now. God, we want to pray for Betty Quaring's family after her passing and her funeral yesterday. Lord, we thank you that she is now at home with you, but we pray be with her family and be with us, her friends, during this time. Help us to remember the good times that we have had with her and the memories that we have of her to continue to impact us and how it is we choose to live our lives for you going into the future as well. We thank you for her. We thank you for getting to know her. We thank you for the impact and the model that she has been on us. And so we bring her family before you over the weeks to come. And God, we also want to pray for Esther Dick and her family and Annette. God, as the funeral is today, we pray as they are preparing that all of the pieces fall into place that still need to. God, we pray, be there at the funeral, be with the family, give them the comfort that they need, but also help the wonderful memories come to mind as well. Help those to win out. Help those to come to the surface. And God, we pray that in what happens at the funeral and the people that are there celebrating her life, that they will come away encouraged. When it is a sudden loss like this, Lord, we do not know what it is that we should be thinking, but at the same time, we know that she will be with the family. And so, God, we pray, be there. And God, we also want to pray this weekend, in particular for EFC. Lord, they are having this day of prayer today for the new made legislation that is coming in. And God... Often it can seem rather overwhelming, the things that are changing. And so we don't always know the words, but we do know that as Christians, we are people that care for life in all things. And so, God, we pray, let that win out. In whatever way that it needs to in the legislation that will be made, God, we pray, let life win out. Lord, we know that you are big. Lord, we know that you know all things. Lord, we know that you have the wisdom for when we think we have the wisdom or for when we do, God, we pray that we get it from you here. 
give us the words to say and be at work in all things. Lord, all of these things we bring before you today and we place at your feet. Amen. All right. About two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we were fortunate enough to have Wayne Friesen with us to share on anxiety. And what? Oh, children, I did it again. I am sorry. I'd like to dismiss the children to Children's Church. Uh, just heading to the back and you will get shepherded in the way that you need to go. All right. So children, Children's Church, back there. Now. <laughs> About a couple weeks ago, we had Wayne Friesen with us to share on anxiety, and today we have him back again to share on depression. It was a wonderfully uh, enriching time, as well as a great thing to equip ourselves with so that we know better as followers of Christ how it is that we should live to our neighbor. And so I'd like to say thank you for Wayne Friesen. Have fun. <laughs> have fun. Have fun. Talking about depression. Um, <laughs> uh, good morning. It's good to see you again. Um, one of the things about uh, about these kind of seminars is that they're not the necessarily the, the easiest things to kind of just slide into um, in a in a light way. Um, and maybe that's okay. Maybe that's exactly what needs to happen. Um, so last time we talked about anxiety, this time we're talking about depression. And what I want to talk about is one perspective on depression. So, so in that, we don't have the time to kind of go through all the possibilities. And we don't have the time to, um, you know, there has to be a, a fair bit of generalization. So in that, I just think I want to just let everyone know that if this doesn't feel like it's your experience or people that you know that's, this is their experience. Um, please understand that I'm not trying to peg hole anything or anyone. And, um, and I find that this one perspective does, often the folks that I work with seems to t touch on at least a part of their experience. So it's one of those dangers of, and it's of um, you know, I, I can't remember who I was chatting with this the other day, but um, whenever you speak out loud <laughs> in, any, in any situation, whoops, I just breaking things, um, you, they're, they're, you run the risk of people not hearing or hearing a different thing than what you're trying to communicate. So I want to give an open invitation, not just this, you know, I, know if I can't remember if I said this last time, I, you know, I'm speaking today and the next Sunday as well. Anytime I'm, you're hearing me in any situation, and if, if what you're hearing just really strikes a, a weird chord or something that's very frustrating for you or, or confusing, you know, my, my email will be up in the last um, slide. Feel free to, or you, you can reach me somehow, I'm sure, find me in McGregor. Um, feel free to chat with me. Um, don't assume, uh, don't assume anything. Um, and of course, it's never my intent to try to trouble anyone. Um, so that being said, so this is our one perspective on, on depression. So <clears throat> when you talk about depression, we won't spend lots of this time, and we all have, I think, a familiarity with this. If not us or, uh, personally, um, I'm sure that um, I guarantee someone in your life has, has struggled at some point in their life um, with, with feelings of very low feelings and, and, and kind of depressed feelings. Um, so kind of what it can looks like, and, and this is, again, this is a few things, but the, you know, it shows up in lots of different ways and, and looks lots of different ways for lots of different people. General speaking though, it's low emotional states, it's low energy, low interest and motivation. Um, there could be trouble sleeping, too much, too little. Uh, there could be appetite problems, too much, too little. Um, and anxiety and anger often play a, a role in it. And so sometimes if people get a little bit confused with that. We'll talk about how that plays a role and why that can kind of show up. But often um, anxiety and anger do play a role in, in a series of depressions or low states, um, which can, can really throw people off because they have a, an idea that it's only this. It's only all the low stuff. So it's the idea that you know, like last time we talked about anxiety, if you think about a car with a gas and brake, 
with where feelings of anxiety feel like a lot of the gas, and maybe too much gas, while feelings of depression or, or very low states are too much brake. Right? So that, that's the idea. If you're driving, try and drive your car. Um, and, it, and really what we're talking about in these kind of situations is, you know, people talk about, um, you know, uh, dysregulation or a, a nervous system that is dysregulated. And what I mean by that is if you think about a parallel line that goes across your screen and another loop, uh, a curve that goes up and down. And when we're doing well, that curve is going up and down, but it's pretty close to that baseline. And regulation is kind of going up and down. One of the things with you know, social media and, and mental health, I mean, there's lots of good things about it, and there's lots of misinformation too. One of the things when people talk about being regulated um, and, or dysregulated, it's this idea that they never feel low, they never feel high, they always just feel great. And that's really, really inaccurate, and it's a completely false expectation of life as a human being. We are meant to move out of states of highs and lows. Uh, and every day, probably, if you think about it, every day your, your curve is going to go up and down a little bit. So being regulated is not feeling high or, or uh, a high too high or too low. But what regulation is is that I can handle the highs and lows that come with through my day. And when we're dysregulated, we're, we, we tend to get stuck where the, the, the curves kind of get stuck for longer and the lows kind of get stuck for longer, if that makes sense. So when you think about that car, you know, a dysregulated drive is kind of that, you know, often what you see, you know, in very young drivers, let's say, right, where there's too much gas, too much brake, too much gas, too much brake. And being regulated is where you're, you know, if you're thinking about driving in traffic, where you're, you're on the gas, on the brake, but in, in, in nice measured terms. So that hopefully that kind of gives you a, a picture of what when we talk about dysregulation and regulation, in terms of a nervous system um, uh, perspective, that's kind of what, what the analogy can be. Um, so here's what we're talking about today in terms of one perspective on depression. So I assumed that my slides were up there the, this whole time. <laughs> now, they are. I'm glad I looked over my shoulder. Um, okay, so that's all that stuff um, that we just went through. Um, so one perspective on depression. Um, good. So following me, at times, uh, feeling depressed can be unresolved grief. And that's what we're going to talk about today. This idea that at times, there's an unresolved grief that has happened is, and is happening in life. Um, I'm just going to read all these, and then we'll kind of go back through them. Grief is the process of adapting to things we cannot change, which is otherwise known as futility. So when I talk about futility this morning, I just mean something that I can't change, that you can't change. It is unchangeable. Okay? And through life, we always are going to bump into futility. That is, there is an, an inevitability of it. There's no way around futility. And grief is the process of adapting to, to that futility. Um, what we cannot change is meant to change us. Um, a major component of grief is expression. And when we don't express our emotions, they get bogged down. That's kind of those, the, high, the high points of that. Um, and, and the reason why I, I, I talk about this in terms of what it looks like with depression is that we often think of grief in terms of losing someone, which, of course, is very applicable. And grief is grief is grief in terms of that adapting to things that we cannot change is grief. And that shows up when we lose someone. It, it shows up when we have a transition. It shows up when we have a, um, a life transition. Actually, any kind of transition in general is there's a loss, right? When I, I remember when I switched jobs from uh, Brandon E for Christ and I went and started working with the national team. So I'd worked with that group of people for, I think it was about 12 years. Um, and I didn't leave there, like, pining to get out. I wasn't trying to escape anything, right? Sometimes job changes come because it's like, I am, I'm really done here and I need to get out. And that wasn't it for me. I just, there was just, there was this opportunity that I was going to more than I was leaving. And so there was a lot of grief around leaving something I knew very well. There was something about how, um, 
uh, you know, the people that I knew and the people that I trusted, um, and on and on and on. You know, I'm not a, I don't love transition, and so that was a little bit of a, a stretch for me. And I, I spent, you know, quite a bit of time with these very low feelings, right? Um, and, and as, because I was adjusting to the idea of I'm, I'm leaving this thing. So I had to say goodbye to something that I really, really liked. So there's lots of different areas. So I talked about, you know, losing people, um, losing, losing, you know, pets at times, um, life transitions. So when, you know, we are, our family is working, you know, is, is working through a transition. We had, we have three uh, kids. Our second daughter is now moved out in, into um, to college. Um, and now we're just left with one at home. And so that is a transition that we're moving out of. Retirement is a transition, right? Um, all the different things, in, in lots of ways, in aging there's so much transition. And there's so much um, having to say goodbye to things in terms of of um, work in terms of our abilities, our physical abilities, we, you know, that's one of the things that we, it's a constant saying goodbye to something that we cannot, we cannot change. You know, last time I talked about, you know, use my reading glasses as an example, right? Um, I really, really desperately need, <laughs> I shouldn't say desperately, um, I really need hearing aids, actually. Um, and it's really, it's really frustrating at times when I cannot hear the things that other people hear. You know, sometimes Julie will say, you know, or, or Cooper will say, um, oh, the fire trucks are going out. And then I'll, I'll sit there and I'll <laughs> just really concentrate really hard. And then about 10 seconds after they hear it, oh, there they are, right? I, I don't hear that. That is something that, you know, in some ways there's a grief there because I, I, that is something I cannot change. I cannot bring in my hearing back. No matter what I do, I cannot change that. Um, and with, when we are moving through something, another example of things that we lose is just the things that we, expectations that we thought were going to be in life. Maybe it's work that we thought we were going we to do. Maybe it's a job that we thought we were going to be uh, capable of doing. Um, on and on and on. I guess the, the, really the idea of it is any time where you bump into, it's like going kind of through a maze, let's say. Every time you turn a, the corner and, and end up in a dead end, that is a futility. So any time in life where you bump into a futility, where a dead end, where it's like, I cannot change this, and nobody can change this, that is a, is a, is a moment where grief has to be your friend. And I know that sounds really strange in terms of how can grief be your friends? Um, but we'll talk about that in a second. So that kind of gives you the outline. So this is back to the traffic circle that we used the first time when we talked about anxiety. Again, this is a Gordon Neufeld thing. Um, so this is a little bit different, but, but there's similarities to all of his tra traffic circles. So we have frustration coming in to, on the right-hand side, okay? Now, frustration is something that isn't working, okay? Um, and if we go around the circle, um, we have, uh, you know, if, if it can be made to work, right? Um, if uh, the thing that we are trying to change, we can make a change, that's our solution, okay? But there's so many different things in life where we cannot uh, have a solution. And that lack of solution is a futility. And that's what we're talking about this morning. Um, so as the thing, um, you know, the frustration enters our traffic circle, and we move around a traffic circle, and if there's, um, sometimes what happens for us is we, on the left it says that futility avoidance. And what do I mean by that? That means ways that we are trying to get out of our traffic circle and not let grief do its work. Um, and that can come in lots of different ways, okay? That can come in, um, you know, we can, you know, when people talk about eating their feelings, that's, you know, food is a really, really great way of, of not feeling the things we're feeling. I, this, this isn't connected to, uh, well, in some ways it is, is um, talking about low feelings, but maybe it actually is. So a couple weeks ago, um, I had just a really, really crummy day. I, and I was very, very, actually, it was quite, I, I was finding being dysregulated, 
my, my curve was either high or low that day. I got, either I felt very anxious or I felt just really bleh. And, and I really needed to be very much more present than I was. I didn't have a day where I could just not be there for people. Um, and so I was working in Brandon, and I went down to uh, a bakery in a coffee shop called Shea Angela, and I went and I went and I found the sweetest thing that I could find. I have a sweet tooth in general. I have not met a, any, any kind of baking that I have not liked. Um, and so I found the sweetest, gooeyest thing that I could find. It was a peanut butter brownie that was delicious. <laughs> and, and I knew what I was doing. This wasn't just, oh, I could use something sweet. This was, I need to change my mood. And I went and I ate that very quickly. And it didn't change my whole day, but I definitely got a bump from it. And I knew exactly what I was doing. And it was remarkable to me how much better, quote unquote, better I felt for the rest, of, you know, for, for a good, actually, three hours, kind of the rest of my day. Um, but food is a great way to, to avoid um, uh, that futility. Um, other substances, right? Um, the reason why substances are, are, are such a problem is because they work so well. Um, they wouldn't, if, it, if they wouldn't work well, they wouldn't be a problem. And they do a wonderful job of taking us out of our feelings and not really noticing what we're noticing. Um, positive thinking can be another way of getting out of uh, futility. There's nothing wrong with thinking positive. There's nothing wrong with a half glass full uh, perspective at all. The problem is if we try to remove ourselves from the grief that's in front of us and the feelings that are all accompanied with that, that is problematic because it's taking us out of the work. And what I mean, by, again, back to that idea of that grief is doing the work. We'll talk a little bit more about how it does that. But if, we, if we're too much of a positive thinking, if it's like, if we cannot, it's kind of like, you know, if there's maybe a, um, you know, a part of uh, your house that is just like kind of a, maybe a disaster, um, me, but, and it's only focusing on, on the part of the house that looks great, right? And it's like, I'm, I, I don't want to look there. I can't look, the, you know, I can't focus on that. There's too much. I'm just going to look at the stuff that I've done, you know, thinking about renovation, whatever it might be. Um, and I think, and our culture is full of positive thinking. Our culture has a really difficult time. I would say, I would say probably a Christian culture has a really difficult time leaning into difficult emotions. Um, and I think sometimes the positive thinking aspect of life gets coded in, in our Christian culture with um, having enough faith. Um, the, the, the verse in Romans 8.28 um, that, uh, that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Da, da, da. And sometimes we can take that and say, whatever's happening, this is, this, is going to be, this is going to be okay. This is going to be good. And I'm not saying it won't be, but, but I was listening to a podcast, and I'd read, done some reading about this before too, but I listened to the podcast um, with, um, and the host was N.T. Wright. And one of the things he was talking about with this verse is the fact of, um, it's actually a mistranslation. A much better translation is that in all things, God works with those who love him, not for. And that idea that God is present with us in whatever we're going through. And, and frankly, I mean, that's my, that's my idea of providence. Of God in our world is very much, I, I think we see it, the fact that Jesus is God incarnate in our world, I think is God present with us. And he's not removing us out of it, but he's with us in it, if that makes sense. Um, so as we look at the traffic circle, and we, if we, if we kind of say, well, if, you know, if trying to avoid the futility isn't so good, and we do that in lots of different ways, um, and one of the results of that can be, if you look at you know, kind of those two circles that are going around and what can happen sometimes, it's kind, of like, it's kind of like a river that loses its current. Um, 
And what happens to that water when it loses its current is that we, it starts to become stale and it starts to become stagnant. And at times for folks that are, that are trying to work through something that will never work, um, these low feelings can kind of really just stay there because there's no movement whatsoever. There's no, and what that movement looks like is expression. Okay, we'll talk about that right now. Expression is the key to move through these things. Um, without expression, we become stagnant. We, be, we as, as, as human beings become stagnant without expression. Um, and the idea that, you know, biologically we're taken down, which then allows us to come back up. What do I mean by that? If you picture this, you know, this curve, um, when we go down into grief, it can be a very counterintuitive thing because it'll feel like we're never going to come back up again. For all of you who have lost, you know, people that you love and you care about, you, you, we, I, think we, which I think we all have, um, we know this feeling of, I don't, I don't like where this is going. I don't like the, the direction this is, this is uh, taking me. But it is, it is essential. And I think when we sing that song, uh, Graves to Gardens, you know, I mean, when you, when you have a hammer, everything is a nail, right? <laughs> so this morning with my hammer of, this is what we're talking about. But it's the idea, and, I, and now I, I can't think of any of the words right now. I'm doing a, a blank because my, my stress level is a little bit up. Um, but even the idea of graves to gardens, right? And all the other words that, that someone can think of. But it, uh, bones to armies, what else was there? Beauty to ashes, right? That's enough. You get the idea. And I, all of that, to me, in my mind, all of that is a picture of the resurrection. And we have many resurrections in our life where we go down before we come up. Jesus had to go down before he could come up. There was no Sunday morning without Friday, right? And I think, those, I think the resurrection of Jesus allowing himself to go down is an archetype for us to live in our life. I'm not saying that's the only thing that that, that story is about. Let me be, be clear about that, okay? But I think there's something in that that allowing us to go down and allowing ourselves to go down to trusting to go down before we come up is essential in our lives. Um, it's important that expressing is more than a cognitive exercise. Um, our bodies are essential in the process. So I'm, I'm preparing for this last night, <clears throat> and, um, and Julie was listening to a, a book, um, an audio book, um, what anyway it's called. Yeah, I can't hear you. My, my hearing, the, the Prince Harry book. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, but but you know, and I caught it at the right time for me, anyways, at that moment. And because he was talking about um, the, the the fact that he, when his mom died, and he cried a tiny bit. At 12 years old, I think he was. He he cried a tiny bit when his mom died, like at the funeral. And then I don't know how many years later he cried just a little bit more. Um, so when you talk about the fact of that the river becoming stagnant because of the lack of expression, that's an excellent way of looking at it, right? There was a lack of expression, and we have a lack of expression through lots of different reasons and ways, right? Sometimes it's cultural, sometimes it's, it's our family expectation, whatever we don't, you know, you know even, even it can come as a very young age, right? Big boys don't cry, or whatever it might be, or um, all that kind of stuff. But a lack of expression gets us stuck. And when I was listening a little bit to that, you know, kind of side listening to that book, they get that, wow, there's a lot of stuckness there. And the way that sometimes our body handles this, when we talk about depression often having an element of anxiety and anger, often what that is, it's our body's way of trying to force our, some expression up. But it comes in such a concentrated form because there hasn't been movement. So it can be like this explosion through a very, and often it is like a, um, uh, it's disproportionate uh, anger from a, kind of a side do door where it doesn't actually fit. So it's not actually about um, grieving anything. It's, it's something very separate. Or it's a, a real big spike of anxiety. And often people that, that have 
that are suffering through depression, often they have moments, and maybe it's more than just moments, of like their anxiety gets really, really high. And that's the body's way of trying to push its way back up from the valley, and it's trying to push its way up and before it, can, it goes down again. So <clears throat> the body's trying to move us. And the question is, can we allow it? And can we, can we let, let it listen? So remember last time I did the, the hand model with the brain, right? Where the, our emotional processing happens in this part of the brain called the limbic system. And then what happens is we go down into our spinal cord, in, into our physical bodies before it goes back up. So if you had to do a rough trace, it all happens this fast, of course. But if you had to do a rough trace, that's just biologically how we operate. Emotional processing starts here. It goes down to our physical body or somatic body first before it comes back in our cognitive brain. And, and some people will resonate that with that right, right quickly. You'll, you'll think about having any kind of emotions like, oh, yeah, I feel it in my gut, I feel it in my chest, whatever else. And some of you will say, no, I don't think that fits me. I don't really feel in a lot of my, my physical body. And so just because we don't feel it doesn't mean it's not there, though. It's just biologically just how we work, right? But maybe our awareness isn't there. But that's why I say, when we are moving through, process, moving through expression, our physical bodies have, have got to be a part of it. Um, it's not just a cognitive exercise. It's not just thinking about, about the idea that, oh, I never thought my life would go this direction. I never thought I'd feel so stuck in my job. I never thought, da, 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 da. I never thought being a parent would be this hard. Right? Now, not saying that you can't have thoughts about it. Of course you have thoughts about it. Um, but part of what, the way I often describe it is, <clears throat> and we'll get more in this next week about kind of like wrapping some of this stuff up in terms of what do you do with some of these things. But the, but the analogy I often use is if, you, if you're not noticing anything in your body and you have a lot of thoughts about something, picture a garden hose with a sprayer. And your picture your thoughts are, are, are the, the water spraying out. And then picture that garden hose winding its way through your body. And where, where's the tap? Because our thoughts are only an expression of our, 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 our physical nervous system. Okay? So it's one way, again, we'll kind of get into that more next week, but it's one way to kind of look at it. Um, and when I talk about side doors, um, what I want to say is that Sometimes our brain says, no, thank you, I'm not going through the front door. Maybe the loss that you've experienced is too much. Maybe that, um, you know, I keep coming back to the whole idea of, of work. Maybe this, this work thing just didn't pan out, and I just, but I cannot think of the fact of I'm going to have to do something different or whatever ever it might be. So maybe the, our brain says, no, thanks, we can't go through the front door. The good thing is there's lots of side doors to be able to um, engage in this. Um, maybe that's actually the next, uh, next passage here. Um, when it, that second point is find your side doors. Um, music, plays, TV shows or movies, poetry, nature, whatever it might be. Where do you feel moved? That's my question for you. And so we talk about the, you know, back to that um, idea of the, the lazy river or the, the river moving through. Where do you feel moved? It might be, I, you know, and maybe when I talk about the, the TV shows, it might be something that, you know, I don't cry about them, but I sure laugh about them. Great, laugh away. Cry away. Um, the idea when I say, you know, uh, Ways to find expression, talking it out, writing it out, painting it out, working it out, singing it out, dancing it out, praying it out, crying it out. The, main, the most important thing is up and out. Can it find expression in some way? Because that's what your body desperately needs. I had this conversation with someone, um, a pastor the other day, about this idea of, you know, when we get together to pray, there's something really, really biologically, to me, fascinating about group prayer because we're all huddled together and we say the things that we would love God to show up in or things that are concerning for us the things that are on our minds and are troubling us da, 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 all the different things and we share them out loud right 
And then what, would, what do we do? Often we close our eyes, we bow our heads. So we're not looking at each other, and we start disclosing. God, would you please? God, I don't know what to do. God, I'm so scared. And we have this, and, no, no, we, we are talking to God in that moment, not that we're not. But in some ways, it's this idea that we only are talking to God. And in lots of ways, we are also talking to each other. And being able to close our eyes, bow our heads, and not look each other in the face, it helps cut down the vulnerability of the, in those moments. And I think it's a really fascinating, practical way to get things out. But the, the, the key is, what moves you? Where do you find yourself moved? And if it feels like, I cannot walk through that front door, then where are your side doors? Because that's essential. Um, so, as I wrap up here, what, here's some, some questions that you can ask yourself um, this week. Um, and I just remembered, I forgot to, to provide a, a kind of a, a question sheet or kind of some thoughts to think of through the week. My apologies, I totally dropped my mind. Um, are there situations, people, circumstances that I've not allowed myself to grieve? Um, ha, and have I been using methods to not fully see futilities in my life? And how can I dip my toes into grieving this week? So sometimes what it, you know, some of the times this kind of stuff is like, Maybe you think about circumstances or situations where it's like, oh, man, I think I just glossed over that. Maybe it was, you know, maybe I got dismissed from a job and I just thought, good riddance, and, but maybe I never really fully appreciated what the impact of that was on me. Um, and when I talk about dipping the toes in, sometimes that is the best thing to do, is not feel like I have to go now and dive in off the dock into deep water, but how can you just let yourself dip your toes in off the beach? It doesn't have to be head first off the dock. It can be in just really gentle ways, if that makes sense. Um, and I, I, the, I think what I, what I tell people all the time, because it can be so confusing for people who are, who are suffering from these very low episodes and these, these depressed episodes. And part of it is the trusting, and I know it sounds in some ways so counterintuitive, but can we actually trust that it's taking us a place where we need to go? We might need to go there. And sometimes it's partly to get stuck because we haven't either maybe gone far enough or we haven't found enough expression. And, and I know that sometimes that can feel so counterintuitive because it's not a comfortable place to be. It's, and that's putting it mildly. And I, don't wanna, I really don't want to speak trite about this because it's so incredibly difficult when you're in the middle of it. And can we trust that going down is a way for us to come up? Not knowing what the, the coming up looks like. Um, so just to wrap up, what I want to do is, is uh, just read a, a quick um, liturgy for you. Um, and it says, you came to us, O Lord, as a lantern in our darkness. Now illumine our way. You came to us as a song in the middle of our sorrow. Now kindle our hope. You came to us as a bomb on the bed of our sufferings, now be our healing. You came to us as a shelter amidst the violence of storms, now grant us peace. You came to us as mercy in the place of our shame, now be our righteousness. You came to us as a king upon the fields of our defeat, now be our salvation. You came to us as a child in the middle of our despair, now be our God. And remembering these manifold joys and blessings, Witness the glories of your promised return. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Amen. As we ask God to guide us going forward, um, please stand as we sing, Be Thou My Vision. We'll just pause after verse 3 for the benediction, and then we'll carry on and sing verse 4. Thank you. 
Thank you very much, Wayne. And a reminder, next week, uh, Wayne will be back to share with uh, the topic on care. That'll wrap things up. So I'd encourage you all to come back for that. Uh, as you also know, tonight is the Thanksgiving meal. Uh, it is at 5.30, uh, but at the same time, if you could stick around for a couple me, uh, minutes right after the service and help put up the tables, that would be greatly appreciated. Otherwise, I look forward to seeing you tonight. Uh, our benediction comes from the book of Philippians. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Go now and serve our wonderful Lord. High King of Heaven, my victory won. May I reach Heaven's joys, O bright Heaven's sun. Heart of my own heart, whatever befall, still be my vision, O ruler of all. Heart of my own heart, whatever befall, still be my vision, O ruler of all. Go in peace.